Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us in your word in the Bible. Pray that as we look at it this evening, you would help me to speak faithfully on it. And please would your Holy Spirit be at work in each of us, helping us to understand it and how it applies to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in week five of a series on the Ten Commandments. We've been doing one commandment each week, so by some very simple arithmetic, you'll be able to work out that this week we're up to the fifth commandment. And it's a commandment that's all to do with how we treat our parents. I've been thinking about this a little bit more recently because I've just finished a a novel, the third novel in a series of novels, in which there's a group of people who, when one of them's done the wrong thing, another one of them will accuse them of having forgotten the face of their father. Or when they're going off to do something, they will encourage them to, to remember the face of their father which seemed a little bit strange to me at first, but the more I thought about it, the more it got me thinking about the way uh, in which uh, we behave and how that reflects on our parents. Relationships within families will always be a current issue, whether in conversations at the school gate or television shows or perhaps comedy sometimes. You might be familiar with the quote from Mark Twain that goes, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Family relationships will always be relevant because they're always a reality in our lives. And that's the same with this commandment. It's a commandment that when it was first delivered to God's people by Moses was extraordinarily important news, hot off the press or hot off the stone tablets as the case may have been, from God to his people. It didn't get old after a few days though, like some news does. No, it was still a hot topic of conversation some 1400 years later when, as we'll see a little bit later on, Jesus and some Pharisees were having a heated conversation about it. And still, another 2,000 years on from that, it's still not lost any of its relevance or immediacy today to the extent that just in this last week, there was a front page headline um, which this commandment was incredibly relevant to. So stay tuned because we're not brushing this off to take a, a kind of nostalgic and fond look back at some news that was relevant only to a small group in the Middle East uh, three and a half thousand years ago when it was relevant, when it was delivered to them. We're looking at a commandment that has never lost significance, which is utterly relevant to us today and which should affect the way that we live today. So what is this fifth commandment? Well, we see it for the first time in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. You can find that on page 78 of the church Bibles if you have one, and it would be uh, handy to look that up. So that's Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, which says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I want us to think about the commandment, the promise, and the example. So first, the commandment. The commandment's pretty clear to see in that verse. It's honor your father and your mother. It's notable for the fact that in what was quite a patriarchal society, both mother and father are mentioned here. God is giving equal significance to motherhood and fatherhood, saying that both mother and father are worthy of respect and honor. 
It's notable, it's notable also amongst the Ten Commandments in that it's one of only two that states the commandment positively instead of negatively. It's not thou shall not murder or you shall not commit adultery, but honor your father and your mother. You shall do this. It's something to be done. But who's it to be done by? Perhaps because of the mention of mother and father, we imagine it's a commandment for young children. Maybe we imagine Moses delivering the Ten Commandments to God's people, addressing the whole nation of Israel, standing up in front of them all saying, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an image, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now just hold that thought, everyone, and I'd like to have the children down to the front. Children, come on down to the front. Come on down. Now, children, honor your mother and your father. That's really important, okay? You need to remember to do that. Now go off to your groups. Off you go. Now where were we? Um, oh, yes, uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and so on and so forth. I know that that sounds a little bit silly, but I wonder if in practice we actually act like that's true. Like this commandment is only for people who live under the care of their parents still. Like there's a cutoff age where this commandment stops being relevant to us. But this commandment to honor your father and your mother is not like the rule that you need to hold someone's hand when you cross the road. That's a good rule, and it's a really good rule to obey. But it would be quite strange if we got to the age of 25 and still couldn't cross the road without holding someone's hand. It's a rule that we grow out of. It's not like that with the fifth commandment, though. It's not a commandment we grow out of, but one that's applicable to everyone all of the time and at all stages of life. Now, this might seem a little bit harsh on sons and daughters. Why is God picking on them? Why are they picked on in the Ten Commandments? Surely, uh, what, you know, what about parents? Surely they need instruction as well. And yes, they do. And the Bible is far from silent on the subject of parenthood. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 talks about the p- fact that parents should instruct their children in the ways of God. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, Paul instructs fathers not to exasperate their children. The Bible certainly has things to say about the responsibilities of parents, but here the commandment is for sons and daughters. Honour your father and your mother. I think there are multiple reasons for that, for the fact that it's, it's addressed to sons and daughters, and some of those uh, we'll see later on. But perhaps one of them is that a commandment to sons and daughters is a commandment that's relevant for everyone. Not everyone is a mother or a father, Not everyone's a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle, but everyone, no matter who we are, is either a son or a daughter. And this commandment, like the rest of the Ten Commandments, is not just for some of God's people, but for all of God's people. It's for everyone, but it won't look the same for everyone. Each of us has a different relationship with our parents, And for each of us, our relationship with our parents is likely to change throughout our lives. In light of that, what obeying this commandment looks looks like for each of us is going to look slightly or perhaps even quite drastically different. And it's likely to change over time, what it looks like for us personally to obey this commandment. For example, honoring your parents won't necessarily always mean obeying them. It will mean that for some people at a particular time in their life, In Ephesians 6, verse 1, 
Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's right for children, by which I mean young children, of godly parents to obey their parents. But that does not mean that if a parent instructs their child to do the wrong thing, that they should obey them. In fact, there could be occasions when disobeying one's parents is actually, in a sense, the honouring thing to do. The behaviour of children reflects on their parents. So, to some extent, behaving in a way that is right and godly, whether that involves obedience to one's parents or disobedience, is in a sense honouring to one's parents because it ultimately reflects well on them. There comes a time for all of us, though, when obeying our parents is no longer um, a, a requirement for keeping this commandment. We don't need to obey them in order to honour them. When we leave their sphere of authority, if you like, and that's right, isn't it? It would be quite strange if we went through our entire lives uh, being uh, directed in everything that we do by our parents. In fact, reaching that point in our lives when we take responsibility for our own choices is, in a sense, honouring to our parents in and of itself. It means that they've done the right job. It means that they've done a good job in getting us to the point that we're able to do that. But at that time, though doing so no longer looks the same we're still required to obey this commandment to honour our mother and our father. Again, that will look different for different people. It may well still look like involving them in our decisions, filling them in on our plans, uh, considering their advice and taking it seriously. It may look uh, like making sure we still spend time with them, even when we don't live with them anymore. It might look like speaking well of them to other people where that's possible. Some of us will have aging parents, and I guess as our parents become dependent on us, as we once were on them, this commandment again comes into play in a more obvious way. I mentioned a headline earlier on, just in this past week, that this commandment was relevant for. On the front page of the Times on Wednesday, there was a headline which uh, read like this. Judge claims children use law on power of attorney to exploit elderly parents. This commandment speaks straight to the heart of that issue, doesn't it? A child who uses the laws that, exists, uh, that exist about power of attorney not as a way of protecting their parents when they're no longer able to make their own decisions, but to exploit them and dishonour them uh, and dishonour their wishes is in no way honouring them, are they? I can think of, of a few ways that a child could act more dishonorably to their parents, in fact. Honoring elderly parents might mean having them live with us. It might not mean that in every circumstance, but perhaps it does mean that more often than it actually happens. If it's right that they move into a home at some point, honoring them might involve making sure they're well looked after there, or making sure that they're not isolated, or that they don't go unvisited. Even for those of us whose parents are no longer living, this command still, in some sense, applies to us. We should take their wishes uh, that they express in their will seriously in the first instance. And we'll need to ask ourselves, uh, going on from there, what honouring our parents will look like once, uh, once they've gone. What stories do we tell about them to other people, for example? And there'll be others of us again who have figures in our lives who aren't our biological parents, but whom we should honour in obeying this commandment, whether they be adoptive parents or foster parents or family members who've helped raise us. 
Some of us will have parents-in-law whom society tells us that it's quite uh, normal and acceptable, sometimes even funny, to despise. But does this commandment allow us to do that? And of course, some of us will have had uh, very negative experiences of being the children of our parents. Some parents are bad parents. Some are abusive. Some of us have never met one or both of our parents or have been abandoned by them. For some, this will be a particularly painful commandment to work through. What does it look like to honor a parent who has behaved dishonorably? Certainly not the same as it will look for someone to honor their parent who did a really good job of being a parent. But we can be sure that this is a good commandment that God has given and that he'll help us to obey it if we ask him to. If that's something that you have uh, particularly uh, struggled with, it might be that it would be helpful for you to consider uh, doing our wholeness course, which is another course uh, that's, that's starting in the autumn. And um, one of the things that that course does is to uh, look at the, the relationships that we've had in the past and how they've affected us and how we should be dealing that. Uh, do, do go onto our website to, to have a look at that, if that would be helpful for you. Each of us will need to ask ourselves what obeying this commandment should look like for us. And it will probably be something we need to come back to and readdress throughout our lives as the stage that we're at changes. It's something that I've had to consider uh, carefully, uh, personally, for myself in recent years. My choosing to live here in England means me living over um, 10,000 miles away from my parents. And I've had to seriously ask myself whether that's something that I can reasonably do at the same time as honoring the fifth commandment. And I've needed to think about what honoring my parents looks like from this distance. There have been all sorts of factors involved in thinking about that. For example, the proximity of my siblings uh, to my parents. The three of them living close to my parents doesn't negate my responsibility to honor my mother and father in any way. But it might mean that they can be honoring them in one way, while I can honor them in a different way here, knowing that that my siblings uh, are doing those things uh, which I can't. That's me, but it will be the case for each of us that we have different relationships with our parents and different factors to consider when it comes to thinking about how we honor them, and we need to work out what it will look like for us to be obeying this commandment. What we mustn't do, though, is try and whittle down our response to this commandment down to the bare minimum, or try to find loopholes that get us out of obeying this commandment altogether. If we did that, we wouldn't be the first people to do that, Um, But Jesus was clearly pretty unimpressed with some people that have done it in the past. Let's look at Mark chapter 7, verses 9 to 13. It would be helpful uh, to turn there if you've got a Bible with you. In the church Bibles, it's on page 1010. It's Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees, and uh, that section reads like this. And he continued... You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who causes their father or mother, uh, who curses their father and mother, should be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. 
the Pharisees were trying to use human traditions to get out of their responsibility to honor their parents. And Jesus says that that is just not on. And it's the same for us. We should honor our parents, and it shouldn't just be lip service. Philip Jensen helpfully said on this, Jesus is saying, go to the heart of it and try and think out the maximum application rather than going to the letter of it and trying to define it down to the minimum application. I think that's a challenge for all of us. And I think that for many of us, it will be the case that the more we think about this commandment, the more we'll see how many applications it has in our lives and just how relevant it is to our lives. Well, that's the commandment. But I promised that we would look at not just the commandment, but the promise and an example as well. Both of those things we'll do slightly more briefly. So moving on to the promise. As well as being notable for the fact that it mentions both mother and father, and for the fact that it puts the commandment in a positive way rather than a negative way, this commandment is notable among the Ten Commandments because it's the only one that comes with a promise. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes in verse 2 that it is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and your mother is only the first half of Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It continues, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Well, what does that mean for God's people uh, when, when this command was given to them originally, as they were soon to be entering into the land that God was giving them? Did it mean that if they honored their parents, uh, things good, would go well for them all of the time in the promised land? Well, yes and no. It didn't mean that nothing would ever go wrong. But if the Israelites followed this command, it would be likely that things would go better for them as a nation, as they lived together in the land that God was bringing them into. Sir Edmund Leach, who was a social anthropologist, once said, far from the basis of the good society, the family with its narrow privacy and tawdry secrets is the source of all discontent. There might be some of us that at times in our lives have been tempted to agree with that, but the fifth commandment, with its promise, would seem to disagree. It suggests that the family is, in fact, the basic building block of society, and that if things go well there, it will set people up better for being positive members of the society in which they live. In most instances, family is where we get our first opportunity to practice respect for authority, Timothy Keller says, this commandment has a promise attached because obeying parental authority is the beginning of respecting authority in general. If children don't learn to respect authority in the home, then society will be chaotic. Obedience to this commandment has knock-on effects far beyond just our little domestic lives. We can all imagine, can't we, a child who never learns to honor their parents, who never learns to respect them well who then goes on to find it difficult to rightly honor and respect authority in society more widely and ends up having all sorts of troubles as a result of that. Ultimately, disobedience to this commandment was one of the reasons that Israel didn't get to stay in the land that God had promised them long term. It might be surprising, but Ezekiel lists treating parents with contempt as one of the reasons that Israel was sent out of the land and into exile. They did not honor their mothers and fathers, and they did not get to live long in the land that the Lord their God was giving them. What about us, though? 
uh, Old Testament Israel was a theocracy and we're a democracy. Israel lived in the physical land that God had given them, which we don't. So how does the promise apply to us? We can't apply it directly to ourselves in the same way because we're in a different uh, situation. But it's still the case that the family is the basic building block of society. And I think we can expect, for the same reasons that we've already seen, that following this commandment will uh, generally contribute positively to the, so- to the society that we're living in, in a way uh, that honors our parents, if we're living in a way that honors our parents, that will mean uh, generally living a better life also. Where if we're living in a way that reflects well on them, it's likely that our lives will be better. But ultimately, we too do have a promised land, even, if, even though it's not that physical land of Israel that God promised his people, we too have a promised land, the new heaven and the new earth, where as we go about living God's way, we can look forward to living with him forever. Of course, our living God's way doesn't earn us entry there. For that, we must rely on the one person who perfectly kept both this commandment and all of the rest of God's commandments perfectly all the time, Jesus Christ. And he's the perfect example to us of what it looks like to keep this commandment. So having considered the commandment and the promise, we now turn to the example. Jesus kept all of God's commandments perfectly, including this one. And like we've thought about, this looked different for him at different stages of his life. When Jesus was a child, honoring his parents meant obeying them. We read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 that Jesus went to Nazareth with his parents and obeyed them. That's what honoring them looked like then. It wasn't always the case, though. Uh, Later on in his life, we read in Mark chapter 3 that there was a time when Jesus' mother and his brothers came to Jesus to try and rein in his, his ministry. They didn't agree with what he was doing. They came to try to stop him. But Jesus refused to go with them. Yet that wasn't dishonoring to his mother because Jesus always kept the the commandment to to honor his mother and father. Later still, even as Jesus hung dying on the cross, he still managed to keep this commandment to honor his father and his mother. Even as he hung there on the cross dying, he took the time to make sure that his mother would be provided for by his friend John after he died. Ultimately, of course, honoring his father and mother was just one way in which Jesus throughout his life honored his heavenly father. He honored God the Father in everything he did, and it should be the same for us if we're his children. Honoring our earthly parents will be one way in which we honor him. In fact, this whole sermon series on the Ten Commandments is off the back of our annual vision goal, uh, which is to be all in to be all in for God with all of ourselves, to love him with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. You can see uh, two of our four banners up here on the stage. The other two will be around here somewhere. We're looking at the Ten Commandments because Jesus says that all God's law and commandments hang on the one command to love him with all of ourselves and to love our neighbors as well. If we're all in for God, will be wanting to keep all of his commandments, including this one, to honor our father and our mother, whatever that looks like for us. Let's pray.